Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Good morning, everyone. We are live from New York City as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. And at this hour, New York City is often referred to as the center of the universe. And when people say that, they often are talking about Manhattan. The borough is home to Wall Street banks and world-class hedge funds. It's a hub for media marketing and advertising. It's a place known for its trendsetters in fashion, culture, music, and movies. And it's where countless men and women have made their mark in real estate, technology, education, and, of course, politics. We have with us today one of those power brokers in New York City who has worked tirelessly to achieve superstar success in our industry. And he is going to join the panel for the full hour this morning, and we're going to talk about all of this. Also at this hour, as millions of New Yorkers file their 2018 taxes, many are feeling the pinch of reduced ability to deduct property taxes from their income. But while these limited state and local tax deductions have gotten lots of attention, they're not the only tax issue weighing down the New York City uh, home sales market. Less discussed but equally serious is the fact that many tax abatements, tax abatements, on condos are about to end. Let's find out why and what to do about it. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, according to The Real Deal, more than a decade after it was first proposed, Columbia University's massive Manhattanville campus has started to take shape in earnest with two of the biggest buildings now open. The 450,000-square-foot Jerome L. Green Science Center at 3227 Broadway and the 60,000-square-foot Len Fest Center for the Arts at 615 West 129th Street. Columbia President Lee Bollinger touted the local benefits of the expansion, which will include about 15 new buildings and an acre of public green space. He talked about that last summer. He said the new campus would employ about 2,500 people over the next decade and that the school would commit $150 million in benefits to the West Harlem neighborhood, including $20 million for an affordable housing fund. Despite those windfalls, the campus has faced ongoing community protests and a series of legal battles over the use of eminent domain. But the courts eventually ruled in Columbia's favor, and the biggest hurdles for the Ivy League school now appear to be in the rearview mirror. A 120-year-old townhouse owned by the prestigious all-girls school on the Upper East Side has been listed for $32 million. Marymount School of New York, which charges an average annual tuition of $50,000 from kindergarten through 12th grade. God damn. You have to pay that much for coloring or, I mean, come uh, on, it's, nap time? I can't even get over that. I mean, well, anyway, through 12... I mean, listed, nap time should be expensive. <laughs> yeah, excuse me, no nap time for that kind of solution. <laughs> listed, it's five-story, 12,000 square, 300-square-foot uh, townhouse at 2 East 82nd Street, which is between 5th Avenue and Madison Avenue's the Cochrane Group, who is representing the seller, uh, could not be reached for comment. Shortly after purchasing a Frank Lloyd Wright design home in New York's in the New York suburb of Rye, designer Mark Jacobs has put his West Village townhouse on the market for $15,996,000, and that according to the Wall Street Journal. Jacobs is lo- looking to downsize in Manhattan as he prepares to split his time between New York City and Rye. The three-bedroom townhouse at 68 Bethune Street is part of the Superior Inc. condominium project, 
which was designed by Robert A.M. Stern Architects. Property records show that Jacobs bought the residence for $10,495,000 in 2009. Wow, that was expensive for 2009. Interesting. One of the city's last remaining carriage houses at 163 East 70th Street has hit the market seeking $18,950,000. That, according to Mansion Global, and they first reported that a couple of months ago, it was designed by C.P.H. Gilbert in 1902 for banker, philanthropist, and art uh, collector Jules Bach. In 1944, John D. Rockefeller Jr., who lived uh, just two houses down at 740 Park Avenue, the storied co-op, purchased the house and had his architect convert it uh, into his family's private automobile garage and chauffeur's quarters. The 25-foot-wide property spans over 7,500 square feet across full fo- uh, four floors with an additional 2,500-square-foot cellar and a 12-foot private garage. Wow. Okay, so a private garage and staff quarters for his chauffeurs. Isn't that something? And now it's on the market for $18.95 million. Anyway, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Um, how was Easter and Passover and, and all of that good stuff? Everybody have a good time? Lovely. Always. Always good Tracy time. Tracy is wired. She's back on the red eye from <laughs> she's uh, wired. London. I've and been she's up for nine hours. Good morning. Good to go. Good Lord. Anyway, we have with us this morning Leonard Steinberg. Good morning. Good morning. And he embodies the new breed of modern real estate professionals who provide substantive knowledge and about all aspects of real estate and full-fledged, elegant, and discreet service to his sellers, buyers uh, of New York property. With almost two decades of experience, Leonard works at Compass. Leonard's broad knowledge of the luxury market. He started as a young boy, of course. And design trends. The property. <laughs> we just love Leonard. He's been here many times before. The properties and the many criteria involved in the sale or purchase of a property provides his clients and customers with a service unparalleled in the industry. He is also founding vice chairperson of NYRAC, an organization created in 2018 by and for residential real estate agents focused on elevating the consumer experience by raising the status of the residential brokerage profession in New York City by encouraging innovation, transparency, ethics, advocacy, influence, best practices, education, uh, and professional networking. So, Leonard, I actually do want to start with uh, NIRAC. Tell us a little bit about why, you know, this all became what it's become, uh, the importance of it. We had uh, a couple of your uh, colleagues on the show about a month or two ago. But bring us up to date on uh, where you guys are and what your ultimate goal is with this new organization. Well, we started the discussion on this organization about a year ago, and it uh, was kind of an organic evolution of a trend that I believe was happening amongst a lot of agents around the city where we felt there should be an organization that really did represent the best interests of agents. And uh, there are organizations similar to this in other parts of the country. There's one specifically in Miami that Heather McDonough, who is our vice chairperson, um, mentioned and really found as the inspiration for what we're doing. Um, and what we're trying to do is pull together the best agents in the city and not just by uh, numbers, because I think, unfortunately, our industry is prone to uh, rating agents only on figures, sales figures. And I think that's somewhat of an embarrassment to our industry. We should be as focused, if not more focused, on quality, ethics, and professionalism. And that is a key driver of what we hope to achieve with the organization 
as importantly, we want to be sure that because agents are the face of brokerage to the consumer, that they have a real voice at the table in how policies and uh, even uh, law is structured related to brokerage. Give us some of the hot buttons that you are, you guys, uh, you know, have uh, worked through and have consolidated down to. Right? These are the most important issues of today based on what you just said. <clears throat> agent focused, not necessarily numbers focused or, you know, where you, you know, fall in the line of, you know, all of your, your fellow comrades. So what are the, the hot buttons uh, that you all are looking to address immediately? Well, I think the biggest disservice we have right now to the consumer is the fact that our data is still bad. Oh, my God. Our data yes. is messy, muddied, uh, inconsistent, inaccurate. A lot of times it is even purposefully altered to create a narrative for uh, certain uh, ulterior motives. Yeah, and so I think it's time for a mea culpa moment. I don't think it's time to punish people. I think it's time to just uh, draw a clean slate, clean things up. I come from South Africa where we had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission after the end of the apartheid era where the worst crimes were... What a were, concept. Leonard. It's a good concept. What a concept. <laughs> it's Catholic at the same time. It's, <laughs> there's going to be confession sure. and there's going to be forgiveness and yeah. then there are going to be solutions. But until you take accurate inventory of a problem, you will never be able to find a solution. So I think what's happening is you have the community coming together and saying, these are the issues, these are the problems, these are the areas that need immediate attention, these are the ones that are going to require a lot more long-term attention, and you address them one step at a time, but aggressively and focused, because I go back to the same thing, when there is inaccurate data submitted to the consumer, the agent is the face of that inaccurate data. Absolutely. So it's a huge disservice Absolutely. to the consumer as well as the agent. <clears throat> and that's why the agent needs to be at the table driving this narrative. Corporately in a group, in a community. In Collectively, we have Perfect. to work together to be sure that we have a future. And the only future we have as agents is when we provide a service to the consumer that is substantive, meaningful, oh, yeah. and goes beyond that which they can find online. Preach. So, so how many members the, <laughs> How many members do you currently have and what what do agents in the agent population out there in New York City need to do to become members? I mean in the beginning it was it was kind of like um, a, a sort of a private group and not open to everybody and understandably so as you know you've gotten your, your sea legs and you started moving you know into uh, many of the issues and areas that you want to uh, to uh, focus on. How many members are there currently and how many? Uh, how do you become a member going forward? Because it's getting a lot of buzz out there and a lot of agents uh, are asking about it. And how do I join and what do I do and where is this and et cetera, et cetera. So how do we do this and how many do you have? Well, we have over 200 uh, subscribing agents now who actually pay an annual fee. And we want it to grow organically from there. So what we also don't want to do is appear elitist. Um, there has to be a certain level of experience to start, and then there also has to be a certain level of productivity because we want to be sure that those who are in this organization are professional, full-time agents, not hobby agents. Right. I shamelessly and aggressively pursued Leonard to get an invitation. <laughs> and the bribes are worth it because... <laughs> <laughs> I did not bribe him for the record. <laughs> and I am a happy member now. Thank you. That metal briefcase is full of Tracy's cash. <laughs> <laughs> if only, Leonard. Um, if only. If only. No, the bank robber briefcase really, is Matthew's. It's, 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 right. it's, it's, it's a treacherous process because what you also don't want to do is you don't want to offend certain people. And there are agents right. who have been offended in that they weren't invited in the first round. And the right. big message is 
we aren't doing it in any specific order. We're just trying to do it organically so that it evolves in a healthy manner. And most importantly, the bigger the organization, the better it is for the agent population as a whole. There are, you know, annual fees. We actually had our first um, major event uh, two weeks ago, and it it really was an important event because not only was there a very healthy dialogue, but more importantly, we felt that the dialogue was actually driving towards solutions and real um, action steps that could unite this industry while we still compete because we're always going to compete and agents compete within with with one another in the same firms. It's not just Absolutely. competition between firms. No, it's no. competition between agents, but healthy competition is ethical, professional with standards. And I think um, what came out of that meeting was uh, some potential action steps that could shift the uh, entire industry and profession towards being more of a profession. All right, we have to leave it there, but we have so much more with Leonard after the break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back after these messages. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We are back, and we're here with uh, Leonard Steinberg, as I said, from Compass, Ari Harkoff from Halstead, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Phil Horrigan, Freely, and Leasebreak.com, Niall Lundgren from Compass, and Jordan Shea from Douglas Elliman. Boy, that's a laundry list in the morning. My God, and I have only one cup of coffee. (laughs) Before the break, we were talking about NYRAC, N-Y-R-A-C. It actually stands for New York Residential Agent Continuum. So if you have any questions about that or how to join 
please email us here at the show and we will get you all that information. Also, uh, a programming note, Nikki Field, who was supposed to be with us this morning uh, at last minute, needed to back out. She will be rescheduled. She had a family emergency that she needed to tend to. So we wish everything in the Field household uh, good good luck and good blessings. And uh, we will talk to Nikki as soon as she is back. We love Nikki as well. All right, everybody. 2018 was not a great year for many of us in the industry. 2019 will be better according to those who track this stuff. So, for example, some of the reasons tax reform has been revealed, meaning all of last year or, you know, in the beginning of the year, we didn't really understand how it was going to affect us individually or, you know, whether it was new developments or, or you know, uh, residential uh, resale or us individually. Buyers now sort of have the answers. Everybody filed their tax uh, returns last week. Um we sort of know. So comments on how that may improve knowing that information this year. I mean, it was a disaster last year. This year, we all sort of know what it's about. How do you think that has changed or how do you think we'll do better maybe this year sales-wise because of the knowledge of it? Well, perception is reality and then April 15th delivers reality. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, it uh, does. the press has a tendency to want scandalous headlines because that's what sells. So everyone in the media looks for a scandal, and that is what drives all the narrative everywhere today, which is really tragic because it works against all of us. So I think April 15th rolled around and people recognized that in the uh, limitation on the salt deduction, there were other potential benefits that offset that. And I think there was a lot of drama, but I do know there are a lot of people who have paid more in taxes, Mm -hmm. but they probably have earned a lot more, number one, because of improved equity market valuations, also potentially uh, lower interest rates on their general, you know, federal tax rate. But I think the big picture that people are ignoring most is that New York State, for every dollar we send to the federal government, 10 to 15 cents is deducted from that dollar and redistributed to other states around the country. And for the people who yell and scream about New York being such a socialist state, that exact methodology is the definition of socialism. It's taking money from the rich New Yorkers mm-hmm. and redistributing mm-hmm. it to the rest of the country. And that's called socialism. <laughs> I read that. I read that on an Instagram post recently, and I was fascinated by that. I, I, I was going to say, I, I, I read that too. Yeah. So every dollar that goes from New York to the federal government, then 15, 10 to 15% gets redistributed to other states? Correct. And those 10 to 15 cents, imagine if they were being sent back to New York State, what could happen to our infrastructure? What could happen to our local and state taxes? What about California? Do they do the same, same with California? Yep. So the two states that are identified as socialist are actually feeding the system for the USA that is probably more socialist than anything else. So it's a real ambiguity that people haven't been discussing that I think needs to be talked about. Why don't we get our money back? I want my money back, frankly. If I'm going to pay a lot of federal taxes, I want it spent on New York State. Leonard Steinberg for mayor of New 100%. York City. We've got to start somewhere. So, all right. So it starts sa- here. It starts here. It starts okay. here. <laughs> sales jumped. We all notice in this room and then all of our colleagues outside, sales jumped after the midterms. I mean, not not back to the, the numbers or the, or the you know, stats that we are, were very used to, but they have jumped since uh, the midterms last November. And it seems like there is more interest out there in, in you know, getting off your seat and, and getting out there and start evaluating the sales market again and start you know, thinking about buying. Will that continue throughout this year? Well, the problem is you again have a series of very purposeful misinformation coming from the landlord world. The landlord world 
builds buildings, gets enormous tax breaks, has enormous write-offs in their taxes due to depreciation, and encourages everyone to become a renter. But if you look at the rents, they have gone up dramatically. Yes, in they fact, have. the rents today are at an all-time high in Manhattan again, because why? People are pulling back from buying. Affordability is, of course, a huge issue. But people always say, well, in 30 years, if you rent, it's compared to X, Y, 30 years of paying a mortgage. People forget that they don't live to be 50 years old. On average, they live to be closer to 80, which means you're actually renting for 60 years, not 30 years. And the comparison shouldn't be made between 30 years of renting and 30 years of ownership. I have yet to find someone in New York who owns their apartment at retirement who doesn't have money, whereas I know a lot of renters who at the age of retirement have little or nothing saved up. So maybe it's not the investment that produces 10% a year in return, but it's a forced savings account, and that message is being drowned out by the very smart, much more organized landlords of America. They're brilliant. I also think the rest of this year should be very interesting. I think, you know, no. I always say to clients and people out there, no one has a crystal ball. Leonard's, you know, arguably one of the, if not the best broker in New York City, in my opinion, quality-wise and numbers-wise. So your point earlier. (laughs) (laughs) But Tracy said he started as a little boy. So, you know, Um, but, and, 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 you know, none of us have a crystal ball. None of us have a magic eight ball. So none of us truly, truly know is the rest of this year going to be great? Is it going to be shaky for whatnot? But all of us have seen an uptick since, as you said, the midterms. And, you know, we can talk about macroeconomics all we want. But at the end of the day, simple New York real estate is, you know, interest rates have remained low. They're going to remain low for a while longer. We know that for a fact. You know, there are facts and there are things that are perception. Um, you know, I also think Ari says this all the, all the time. Sellers have become more realistic throughout the last, you know, seven to eight months. Um, unfortunately, I think what happens when you have news of interest rates like we've had, I think sellers then get push back a little bit. I think they go back into a little unrealisticness. Um, at the same time, I think that you, you know, hearing all the news about mansion tax and transfer taxes then kind of brings them back to reality a bit. So I think they're almost weighing on the fence about all of it. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens. And the other thing too, so as far as the economy, the economy is strong out there. So no recession is imminent, although slower growth is expected. So I'm sorry, Ben, just to what Leonard had said earlier. The media loves to talk about recession, recession, recession. If you'll recall back years ago, it was, oh, the bubble, the bubble in New York. When will it burst? It burst. It was bursting for five years before it finally got softer. Where's this recession that people have been warning about in the media for the last year and a half? I think it becomes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, and we need to do something to talk about more messages of positive things, that transactions are being done, that sellers are being more realistic. There is more of a meeting of the minds for the buyers and that activity is picking up. I agree with Tracy. It's also, you know, if um, going back to the finance world of what Leonard was talking about, you know, if you're a finance major and undergraduate, just just like I was, you take a class called Federal Financial Analytics. And one of the first, if you are in a state that has this 15% to the dollar, it's one of the first things they teach you. Um, but also one of the first things they teach you is the cycle, the eight to nine year cycle. And, you know, I'm so intrigued to go to an undergrad finance class these days and hear what they're talking about with regards to cycles like are we are we just is that just not a thing anymore well, i don't cycles, know it's interesting I think this is an interesting concept though there is a group of people that have made by far the greatest fortunes because of boom and bust cycles and they enjoy feeding those boom and bust cycles because when the bust happens it is usually the very wealthy people that have access to capital 
Yeah. Number one, the banks are going to finance, and number two, they've saved their pennies because they've made a fortune. Mm-hmm. They can go in and buy 50 cents on the dollar. That decimates the other 80% of the country, and it really puts people out of business. It's really a horrible system. So slow and steady is maybe something we should celebrate rather than allow the evil forces to encourage boom and bust cycles. Because I do think there is something to be said about that. I also think we we have to be careful with the growth we've seen in the last year and a half. When you go out today with a credit card and buy a Rolls Royce for a half a million dollars, people will look at you and say, wow, you're rich. But you also have to pay back that half a million dollars. So you aren't really rich. We have to be weary that we borrowed an additional $1.5 trillion to fuel $1.5 trillion worth of growth. The $1.5 trillion worth of gross with growth was paid for with a credit card that has interest payments that has to be paid back. Let's not forget the and big picture. And lots of interest payments. We also borrow that money during boom times economically. But yeah. on the plus side, the rewards points of that credit card is pretty <laughs> great. <laughs> That's a lot of miles. We all like <laughs> our miles. We all like our miles. U.S. job growth was strong in March, averaging 211,000 jobs added uh, in the past year, that's a lot of jobs. So it gives you, you know, peace of mind to know that the economy is strong, the job uh, growth is strong. Yeah. Unemployment is 3.8% in the U.S. and 4.2% in the, in New York City. I mean, it's... That's outstanding. It's that outstanding. Tremendous. Outstanding. Despite the Amazon debacle. Which, which is unusual then that, again, this is the first time, I think, since any of us in this room have been in the business, that the real estate market has not been in lockstep with a booming economy and That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm we, getting at. Go we ahead. In, in New York City, for the most part, are dealing with a very wealthy consumer. They're a very wealthy consumer and they're very smart And what they saw was extreme inflation in pricing. They saw interest rates climbing. And they said, this is going to change. So what I correction. we needed a correction. And the great part of it is here you had the natural economic forces at play rather than a government step in or an explosion where they withdrew from the market, prices came down, and they stepped back into the market. And I I'm, think that's a very healthy sequence. I was I'm a big believer in ultimately the facts on the ground will dictate the market. That's just kind of my belief. So I believe the media does have a narrative and these other things do play in. But ultimately, there's a lot of inventory out there. And when you have educated buyers going out there and the apartments are just staying on the market, what do they think? Okay, I have a little time on this. I can negotiate. But I remember, I mean, we've all been in the booms and busts, I believe. And you remember that when things get tough out there, meaning there isn't a lot of inventory, and the worst starts to spread, that this apartment went in two days and this went in three days, that's, then prices start to go up again and the cycle starts again. So I, I do believe that there just is an inventory problem. Part of it is that the economy is doing so well or has done so well over a long period of time that these developers built a lot of inventory. And we're still... the same stuff is and, the big and problem. Absolutely. A lot of the oh, same stuff is right. too. And so now the, 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 the economy is still expanding or doing well. And there's a lot of inventory out there. Normally, at this point, we would be hitting a recession, and it would be in sync. You know, but but was the the economy still doing well? But there's a lot of inventory out there. Well, again, total wages are up 5.2 percent in the last 12 months. That's that's significant. New unemployment claims are the lowest since 1969. I mean, these are it's incredible. These statistics are, are amazing. Well, that is the biggest issue related to entitlements, because the biggest problem we have economically in the country is entitlements that are unfunded. So the more people right. working, the more funding you have for the entitlements, which it should be the biggest celebration of all. New York City, 
employment is up 1.7% the past year in New York City. So, I mean, you know, you've got you've got all of the good indicators uh, in our favor. And so one wonders how long then will it be for the New York City marketplace to really, real estate marketplace to really catch up with all of these stats and with all of these numbers. And, you know, I, I hate to say, to say, you know, return to the heyday because one would say, well, what is the heyday <laughs> or when was that last? But, you know, how long does it take for us to get, you know, back to that point? The Fed has put future rate hikes on hold. Okay, so no inflation concerns and buyers probably made the right decision, I think, to kind of sit back a little bit, wait. They're much smarter than we think they are. Wash it out. They're much smarter than the, than we They're think they are. Being guided by smart brokers, clearly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we got a lot more to talk about. We're live from Blastoff Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York on the Variety Channel for Voice America. We are coming back. Don't go away. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders. So you can move to what moves you. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. We are back, and we're here with uh, Ari Harkoff, Matthew Cohen, Tracy Hammersley, Phil Horrigan, Niall Lundgren, Jordan Shea, and Leonard Steinberg uh, is with us also. All right, let's talk about Wall Street bonuses. They were $27.5 billion. I have to tell you something. This number really, I, I couldn't believe it the, the other day. $27.5 billion in bonuses to Wall Street Wall Streeters in 2018. Down from 17, but still second highest figure since the financial crisis of 2008-2009. Profits were up 11% in 18, despite a stock correction, which was very volatile last year, uh, at the end of the year. So, again, all of this money is out there. And what does the Wall Street bonus you know, uh, money really represent to us here in New York City? Lots of real estate purchases and, and certainly also in the secondary markets like the Hamptons and upstate New York and Westchester, you know, Homes, uh, pied-a-terres, uh, so and so, uh, so forth. So where you know, where is all this money going currently, or where did it go? Because it hasn't 
been spread around the real estate market just yet. Are they still sitting on it, and why? And by the way, I, I also think just to just to you know go into this topic more. All of that money, and so, you know, a lot of people will have hatred towards that, and then towards Wall Street bonuses. All a that money, money creates the word that we like, which is opportunity. It creates opportunity for more, you know, for greater wealth for people building greater wealth. Um, you know, what if you watch any CNBC or MSNBC or you know Morning Joe or any of these uh, or any of these shows, they'll talk about the fact that. All of the major companies and corporations were in a really exciting time in Fortune 500 where all of these companies are run by outstanding human beings. And that's unlike any other time before. And so you have people like, you know, Jamie Dimond and, and Jeff Bezos who are running incredible companies in very, you know, in a very firm way. And that's why you're seeing great employment rates as well. So so I think, you know, just before you even step into where are they and when are they buying, this is a good thing and it creates massive opportunity. I also think it's uh, uh Important to note that while New York maybe 20 years ago was exceedingly reliant on those Wall Street bonuses, we should be reminded that the diversification of our economy here is enormous. And we don't know what kind of bonuses and stock options and who knows what has been paid in the tech industry, the medical industry, the education industry. There are multiple industries in the tri-state era that are enormous. In fact, if you look at the economy of the tri-state, it is the size of numerous large countries. So this is a powerhouse economy that we have here and it should never be underestimated how it shouldn't be compared to other cities or states but more to other countries. So to answer your question, <laughs> well, so to answer your question, I think um, I used to be in finance and so a lot of my clients are in finance and they they all waited to pay their taxes. They wanted to see the net net. And then on top of that, you know, they don't, it's not a huge rush because of the fact that the Fed promised on interest rates. And on top of that, you know, even more, they, a lot of these finance, you know, men and women are quote unquote upgrading or they, they're wondering what are they upgrading to? I'm actually working with two different finance clients right now who are quote unquote upgrading and their definitions of upgrading are very different. So I think they're actually trying to figure out, okay, so now I have more wealth and I want to create even more wealth. What do I do that's even better than what I have? So it's that term of upgrade that they're figuring out, in my opinion. All right, so let's turn the tables a little bit and talk about the taxes. So the pied-à-terre tax, that annual tax would have crushed an already struggling high-end luxury market, I believe. I mean, there was going to be an annual tax on the luxury apartment that you purchase that you're not living in full-time. Pied-à-terre stands for or means really part-time residence. You know, some people weekends, some people every couple of weekends, some people a few times a year. It's been a, a, a program in town where lots of wealthy people just park lots of money into an apartment because they really need to uh, and don't use the, the apartment that often. So we averted that disaster a couple of weeks ago. Development, I believe, would have declined sharply. Thousands of construction jobs lost. So in place of that pied-à-terre tax, we have now uh, an increase in mansion tax, and we have an increase in some cases, um, transfer taxes. In our opinion, and we all deal with new development and we all deal with condos in general, where do you think this is going to land this year and how is this going to affect our buyers and even our sellers? Well, let's first uh, talk about the elephant in the room. 
what is a mansion? Because that, that word has changed. Mansion. I mean, that word should be thrown out a window. Even in East Harlem to find a mansion. When I was a child, Leonard, house, I was right? very taken with the word mansion. I said, I want to live in a mansion someday. You do now. It yeah. does. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. According to the tax department. <laughs> I live in a, exactly. I think you will see, because I hear it already, I think because it's a one-time expense, I think the uh, biggest effect will be at the time of transaction yeah. in the negotiation. And I hear of people, you know, buying $20 million properties where they say, if I'm not close, by June 20th, I need a half a million dollar deduction on the price because that's what it equates to. So it's a big deal. I think the bigger problem with our tax policies is it is our tax system in New York State and federally is so screwed up and messy and unfair and probably unconstitutional because it doesn't provide us fair and equal treatment. The volume of uh, breaks that are given to a select few people at the expense of everyone else is outrageous. And worse than that, I think our leadership, when you look at a Mayor de Blasio, whose real name, by the way, is Warren Wilhelm, just so you know. I thought it was Mayor de Blas. Yeah. Well, his he he owns two townhouses in Brooklyn that Absolutely. are worth combined about $3 million yeah. and pays a total of about under $8,000 a year in taxes. For both. Find me mm. a property anywhere else in New York City at $3 million that is paying $8,000 a year in taxes. And yet here you have leadership talking about an unfair tax system. He should be talking about his own unfair tax system or at least addressing it. I actually um, provided some uh, support to his initial campaign because it was inevitable he was going to win. And I thought some of his messages were very good. And he said face to face to me, I promise I'm going to address the tax issue in my second year. Well, it's many years later and he hasn't. And the only tax thing he has addressed is applying more taxes to a select few at the expense of everyone else because it's all about buying votes. The minute we get elected officials out of office because they just want to buy votes, is the minute mm-hmm. we'll get it right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Also, I agree with the at the transactional time. I also think that this is something because it is a one-time payment. I do think once the market and and you know the public digests it, I don't think it will be as big of a deal. But I do think it is going to be a big deal for a while because the public takes a while to digest things and. It's not the actual amount. I think it's the principle of it. It's not helping affordability, let's put it that way, because everyone yells and screams about affordable housing, and yet they add a mansion tax on thinking that someone who's buying a $3 million apartment is getting a 20-bedroom mansion in the sky. They aren't. They have the biggest mistake of the tax system is it makes no accounting for cost of living. But, but Leonard, you touched on it before when you said that potential buyer, if he doesn't close by June 20th, may be looking for a half a million dollar reduction in price. So question is, will buyers be out there looking for price adjustments? Post July first, I've never seen a buyer not look for a price. Yes. Well, <laughs> no, 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 very true, Fair but point. but another reason why they're going to say, you know, listen, we're past July first. Now these new tax, you know, uh, rules are in place. Maybe the purchase price is wrong. I don't know. If they're listening to the show, they will be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, has it affected any of your business? So far, since it's been announced a couple of weeks ago, where buyers say to you that you're out there, geez, you know, this new mansion tax or geez, this new transfer tax. I don't think people have actually realized yet. I think it's just kind of out there. But it, as Matt said, it does take people a lot of time to really absorb. And what does this mean for me? I think we will be seeing it, but I haven't yet. I was, was going to say, I mean, we are seeing buyers and sellers, sellers discussing it, absolutely. 
city. So, you know, in the 1970s, New York City was on bankruptcy, on the brink of bankruptcy. 100%. In the late 1980s, we had, you know, a stock market crash. In the early 2000s, we had the dot-com bubble burst and we had 9-11. And then obviously in 2008, we had Lehman Brothers and the whole financial system collapse. I think part of what we're experiencing right now is like this multi-factor decline in New York City real estate where it's not one particular item, but it's the consequence of multiple items. And so I think for buyers and sellers, this is just one more thing to put another nail in the coffin to give buyers less urgency and less excitement about buying, which impacts transactions. Trump was elected, tax reform, now we have rising transactional costs, we have too much inventory on the high-end luxury condos in Manhattan, we have too much inventory. One issue after the next, yeah. It's just one more thing in and of itself. I don't think it's consequential, but when you add all the factors up, that's what impacts the market. I also think you have to, on the other side of the equation, look at the extraordinary careers that are built in New York City. It cannot be built probably anywhere else in the world. It is a global center, the likes of which doesn't exist anywhere else. I mean, London comes kind of close, but it's really not New York City. And I do think New York City cannot be compared to Los Angeles or Miami or Houston. This is a very unique city. There's an enormous price to maintain a city like this here. But I think there is an enormous amount of corruption in the system. And until you have new leadership, it won't change. So I think what's going to happen is things usually sway to one side and then people realize what's going on and it sways then to the other side because you get new people in power. It just seems to me that the New York City leadership these days is like all over the the map, but all in the wrong direction. And as you pointed out earlier, you know, $8,000 worth of taxes on two houses worth $3 million, that seems to be a little bit of a, you know, uh, something's wrong there. Called friends and family. Well, there you go. I mean, it's like so, so. But it's always legal because then there's always this argument, but it's legal. Well, you know what? O.J. Simpson got away with murder legally. A lot of people get away with murder legally and with a whole host of other things. The law is what needs to be addressed and the way it is enforced. 100%. Tracy, you want to say? So, yeah, I'm sorry to to sit in the host seat for this question, but Leonard, I have to ask you, do you have any interest in running for mayor of New York City? (laughs) I would all support you wholeheartedly. As long as my taxes are reduced to $8,000 a year, definitely. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But you're open about it. You're not saying one thing and doing another. We would love to I didn't say it on our show. Announce it on our show, as they always say. Do that. What about the Webby Award? It's bigger. Uh, <laughs> listen, notice he's not saying actually... no, everyone listening audience. Please talk to your local representatives. Leonard Steinberg from Mayor of New York City. We are all in support of that. We'll follow you around with. with I'm angry enough to become mayor, but I'm not sure if I'm qualified to be. Mayor. <laughs> I think you are, and you are well spoken and knowledgeable enough and uh, connected enough. You've got my vote. Deputy Mayor. Campaign manager. Campaign manager. So, so before we go to commercial, you know, with all of this said and all of this understood, you know, we we all kind of see things obviously differently than our buyers and sellers do. As Matt said before, it takes them a while to to kind of get with the program. So, what do we do currently to help our buyers, in, uh, in most cases, understand what may be happening? I mean, you know, a lot of us say, well, I don't necessarily want to. Think about telling them about the transfer tax or the mansion tax increases after a certain date, but then I feel compelled to want to do that because it's only going to hurt them at the end and potentially have uh, reasons to have one more reason to ask for a price reduction, and that may or may not happen, the, right? The 
basics of being a really great broker should never change. It's knowledge is power. Right. Know everything right. to a T, as Tracy said, be value add. You know, what Ari was saying is, is that, you know, along with per- perception being a huge factor that drives buyers and sellers, the other thing is complications. No one likes anything that's complicated, a buy, a purchase that's complicated, a sell that's complicated. No one likes that. So know the complications to a point where you can truly map it out for your client and make them feel like it's not as complicated. When it's time to make a hire for a new small business, naturally you want to find the best person for the job. Odds are that person is on LinkedIn. LinkedIn jobs make it easy to get matched with quality candidates who make the most sense for the role you're casting for. LinkedIn jobs use knowledge of both hard skills and soft skills to match you with the people who fit your role best. People come to LinkedIn every day to learn and advance their careers, so LinkedIn understands what they're interested in and looking for, which means when you use LinkedIn jobs to hire someone, your matches are based on so much more than a resume. Your LinkedIn jobs match job matches are based on skills and background, sure, but also interest, activities, and passions. Everybody wants to know, just like the rest of social media, who you are and what you do. Matching lets you quickly Get a group of the most relevant, qualified candidates for your role. That way you can focus on the candidates you want to spend time talking to and make a quality hire you're excited about. Customers rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires. So post a job today at LinkedIn.com slash Vince and get a $50 off your first job post. That's LinkedIn.com slash Vince. Terms and conditions apply. We have to leave it there. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com At Halstead, we know that what moves you is important. We're all about the power of transformation. We're revolutionizing the way people live and work. We are agents of change. We are the deal makers. We are the fearless negotiators. We are the future builders, so you can move to what moves you. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. 
Uh, and I want to talk a little bit about the tax abatement situation. As millions of New Yorkers, as I said at the top of the show, filed their 2018 taxes, many were feeling the pinch of a reduced ability to deduct property taxes from their home. But while those these limited state and local tax assault deductions have gotten lots of attention, they're not the only tax issue weighing on the minds of uh, condo owners here in New York City. Less discussed but equally serious is the fact that many of these abatements, tax abatements, on recently in the last 10, 15 years, uh, New York City condos are beginning to expire. And we all work in buildings where we know that that's happening. Or our own in buildings, sometimes tripling the monthly tax bill for their owners. I mean, so, you know, the tax increase could potentially be, you know, very high and making them less attractive when they want to turn around and sell it because, you know, with a tax abatement, that transfers from buyer to buyer. So if you own your place for ten year, five years and you got a 10-year tax abatement and you resell before 10 years, you can transfer that to the buyer. It's an incentive over some other condos that are on the market. Of the 12,000 New York City condos that sold in, ten, in 2010 alone, one in three benefited from the uh, exemption that lowered their tax bill. So my question is, <clears throat> in our conversations with our buyers, and in this particular case, mostly our sellers, what are they saying to us as far as you know their tax abatements ending, and what are we saying back to them? I So I have a little uh, case, I guess. My, I have an investor bought 10 to 15 years ago three apartments, one of my favorite clients, and all of the abatements are they're gone, they're you gone. know? And even though rents may be on average higher than they've been in the past, depending on what building you're looking at, there's so much stuff out there that he is not making money on these rents. I mean, the rents are not that different than they were 10 to 15 years ago in these properties. Um, and so he's selling them, you know? Well, so, tax rates are not what they used to be. And by the way, just for people out there who don't necessarily understand a tax abatement, so when it ends, it doesn't mean that your taxes jump, you know, sky high. They incrementally increase 20% every two years. So you have a little bit of a bump up as you go through the 10-year or 15-year abatement period. However, the end can be sad for some people, especially for investors. Well, it's a combination of the abatement going away, so his costs are going up, and the, the rents are not going up. The rents are not doing much, and um, this is also adding to the inventory on the market because there are there are investors like this that are putting their apartments on the but market. But let's also not be delusional. When <laughs> someone buys a property and they have a tax abatement, they know what the end taxation is. They know Absolutely. what the beginning taxation is. And hundred percent for the first five or six years, the advantages are enormous, mm. and they go to the bottom line. There is also when you're an investor that appreciation on the property, which is probably more valuable than anything else. But the bottom line is the tax abatement has been somewhat of a con act because what it basically does is it's like a, it's like a crack dealer. I'll it give has. you a little bit for free. And then the next round is going to be a little more expensive. And then when once you're addicted, it's going to get really expensive. Yeah. Absolutely. Go to the end t- uh, tax assessed value of these apartments and they're completely out of whack compared to the others because it's called welcome stranger policy where we take the newbies and we tax them higher so that everyone else who is the majority of the voter population right they get the benefits of other people paying more taxes so they can pay less that's the system and the system needs to be changed also you know a baby aside we are just in a time right now in New York where tax lots are high. I mean, tell me a property yes, that you see in Manhattan that is, does not have high monthlies. I mean, you know, I had a client recently that I took to Hudson Yards. 
And she Mate said, she, yeah, <laughs> more, more, more uh, emphasis on you becoming mayor. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I took a client's house in yours and she said, wait, this has an abatement? Like the monthlies are still really high, even <laughs> though there's an abatement. Mm. I think you're going to see a lot of people leave Manhattan, you know, over the next years, just like they have been going to Brooklyn, going to Long Island City. These, you know, boroughs that are outside Manhattan have very low monthlies yeah. and people are very um, interested in that. Well, you know, from a from a, a the Pieta Terre tax situation, a lot when that was threatened, being threatened a couple of months ago, you know, people were saying, "Listen, I don't want to pay any kind of taxes." So, for a part time residence or a vacation home, I'm going to Florida, where there is no state tax, period, and where I can come in at even a reduced. Although tax their real estate taxes in Florida are very high, they are high, very very high, and Texas as well, very high too. But then they don't have the state tax, which makes up for a huge Which sort of makes up for money. Exactly. All right. So New York buyers uh, also prefer to not get a starter home from which they'll eventually trade up. Instead, these days, they simply rent longer. And I think Leonard uh, said that earlier. And buy a home that will suit them long term. Their situation differs from home buyers nationwide. Because New York uh, New Yorkers buying their first homes are highly mobile and have strong reasons to avoid paying for more housing than is absolutely necessary. So they're kind of delaying their purchases. Maybe they're renting a little longer than the national average <clears throat> where everybody wants to own a piece of the rock. So why is it so different here? Well, assuming, here? assuming there's zero inflation, which is not the case. In fact, in New York City, I would say inflation is probably closer to 3 or 4%. Big city inflation is always larger. Right. If you're paying $3,000 a month for rent for your entire life, 60 years of $3,000 a month rent is $2.15 million. That's a tragedy. That's a travesty. That's going into the hands of someone else. And it shouldn't be viewed as an investment vehicle. It should be viewed as a savings vehicle that provides shelter. If it isn't providing shelter, that's different. It's not like you're buying a fancy collector car in the hopes of it escalating in value. It's something you're going to use for, if it's a car that you use for transportation, that's different. But a property has to be viewed as something that is an essential need. And I do think buying into something that is something you need five, six years from now, not trading often, is a smart strategy. But I think it goes then back to the original concept, which is affordability. What can you afford? And when you have tariffs on steel and lumber, that ain't going to help affordability. Raising taxes and a whole host of crazy um, uh, bureaucracies, Yes, that's not going to help affordability either. Right. What does help affordability is what Mayor Bloomberg always said. If you want things to become more affordable, build lots. But usually that is at the expense of profit and sometimes causes damage. We also spoke about this a few weeks ago, and I think – you know, you are in in a, you're in an interesting city and state where even though people do very significant things here at young ages, they all this is also one of those cities where people um, we have the latest or the oldest average age of people getting married. So, so I do think you know, being a millennial myself. I, I do think that people like to wait for significant events in their life on the housing side, at least, to do things like purchasing an apartment or a house, you know, um, even though I've owned myself in the city already, you know, I, I always say, cause I'm, I'm single. I always say like, it would be nice to, to buy a place with my significant other. Like, I, I think that a lot of people think that way. So I also well, I feel think that a lot of people are waiting to that. wait. Right. Like I, I think that people like the freedom of single life in this day and age more than ever. How does that translate, though, in the long term? I mean, you know, like I said, like you just said, you know, people are putting off 
buying because they have all these thoughts and the millennials prefer to travel, you know, first and foremost, et cetera, et cetera. My, my, my biggest question, we've got two minutes left. My biggest question is, so how does our elevator pitch change? When we're, think long term. The problem is we think short term all the time and the world is encouraging us to think short term because it's a benefit to them. If we want to be more selfish about what is beneficial to us, we should be thinking long term. But let, let me ask you a question. I 100% agree with that. But don't you think this is a town, as you said, really kind of makes us think short term. And I think real estate purchases, you know, from when I'm in the business since a very long time ago already, I think everybody approaches everything short term in real estate buying. So now you're saying we've got to change that a little bit and, you know, five to seven year, save it, grow in it, raise the kids in it, you know, whatever it is, and then, you know, flip it when it, it makes sense to trade up or even potentially to trade down. Is that an easy thing to do? The things that deliver the most value in life are never easy. You have to think long term and pay a little bit of a price and sometimes weather storms to get real rewards. You know what I've always been amazed at? People are reluctant to do that in real estate, but yet they'll put money in the market, in the in the, in the stock market, and they'll watch it and they'll grow it and 10 years will go by and it's went from this to that. Where I don't think it's a safe bet these days or any days. I mean, the, the, the market is highly volatile, but but yet when it comes to real estate, for whatever reason, they don't necessarily think that way. So that's the lesson learned. People out there who are listening, who are thinking about buying, think about the long term. But unfortunately, that's our broadcast for this morning. Thanks to Leonard Steinberg for joining us. As always, we love him on the show. Shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And the only person you should try and be better is then is the person you were yesterday. Be kind to one another. And for all of us here at Voice America, all around the world, thanks for joining us. And we will see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.